their innocence, but they still had hope. Maybe the war could be won right here in the West, where there were some good men and some good commanders. William Tecumseh Sherman was not a handsome man, yet his features, the sharp, arching nose, the firm, set mouth, the coarse, cinnamon-colored beard and red hair were striking in the extreme. The six-foot, rail-thin general with the almost feminine narrowness that belied a muscular build was a man blessed, or perhaps cursed, with a peculiar nervous energy that knew no cessation. Every action, every gesture, every thought and word bespoke intellect and vigor. Careless of dress, shiny brass buttons and gold bullion held no attraction for this man. His shabby field officer's coat was stained with ash. His boots were caked in mud, and his hat, without cord or badge, was of the wool slouch variety, commonly referred to as shapeless, since it lived up to, or rather down to, its name. From under the narrow brim, the Ohioan's most striking feature, eyes of an indeterminate color, fixed the world with the intensity of a bird of prey. By supper time, the rain had finally stopped, though a thread of moor hung in the damp air above the bare hills, and the ground beneath many an army blanket was hard with frost. Nevertheless, rain or no rain, Sherman would take his nightly stroll. As he walked, he reflected with satisfaction upon this good high ground with plenty of room for drilling and exercise. It was an excellent site for the Federals to camp when its main objective was Corinth, Mississippi, and the rebel force gathering there only twenty miles away. Once captured, this railroad town would leave Memphis naked and open the Mississippi for hundreds of miles. Sherman knew all this, since with characteristic thoroughness he had made a personal reconnaissance of the area. By now, the division commander, with a distracted look in his eye and a half-smoked cigar protruding from the left side of his mouth, was a familiar sight to his soldiers. They would call out to him as he passed. A disembodied growl and an inclining of the large head would invariably greet a friendly, even gentle. Not that Sherman was distant or cold. On the contrary, any honest soldier would find in him the easiest of men to approach for a fair hearing. It was simply that such an active mind as his was constantly occupied, constantly engaged in thought, never at peace, never in repose. He was a truly tense soul. This night, as he walked in the direction of the distant picket lines up the Hamburg-Purdy Road, his ever-racing thoughts were interrupted not by the greetings of his men or the strains of a familiar song, but by a muffled rustling in the bushes. Drawing his sidearm, he strode unafraid over the tangle of fallen timber, holding the branches aside with his free arm and demanding, red-faced, "'Make yourself known. Speak up or I'll shoot.' There, kneeling on the wet earth with bowed red head, was a small figure— a will-o'-the-wisp in the oversized uniform of an infantryman. Sherman took a step closer. Who are you? What are you doing here? Have you fallen out of the sky? He grasped the boy by the chin and raised his head. Answer me. The boy stared at him, 
eyes wide with an undisguised devotion that for a second left the usually articulate man lost for words. He said, Are you hurt? You should not be out here alone. The enemy have cavalry and pickets scattered all around. You're out here alone, sir, the boy now said boldly. That's different. I know the dangers. You evidently do not. Why else would you be wandering around in the dark? The young soldier, who was beginning to feel very cold, could not restrain a shiver. He was wearing only a blouse, the sleeves of which hung down over his fingers, and there were but two buttons holding it together across his narrow chest. Sherman peered closely at his cheeks, smooth and freckled, cheeks that had never seen a razor. Why, he was nothing more than a child, with a wide, full mouth and a strong chin, punctuated by a deep cleft. His pants, of such ample proportions they could have accommodated a sack of potatoes without straining a seam, were held up with a length of coarse rope. Sherman's breath, a potent mix of whiskey and cigar smoke, appeared to make the young soldier dizzy, for he momentarily closed his eyes and seemed to sway. "'Get yourself back to your camp,' Sherman ordered." and into your blanket before you freeze to death or the enemy carries you off. Go on. As he turned, the young soldier sprang up before him. Sir, may I go with you? With me? Certainly not. What regiment are you with, my boy? None, sir. I came here to serve you. The enormous eyes, like the stained-glass blue of a cathedral, round and shiny as military buttons, watched him with an intensity that might have been disconcerting to a lesser mortal. However, the gaze was without guile, and he had as pleasing a countenance as the general had seen for many a year. Sherman laughed his sudden snatching laughter, laughter that was somehow shocking, coming as it did from such a grim and dignified personage. The sound itself was an identical twin of his hoarse, basso voice, guttural and rasping, starting deep within his chest and building up with every gasp of air sucked into his lungs until it burst forth possessed of all the force, energy, and enthusiasm that characterized every aspect of the man. "'You came here to serve me, eh?' he asked gruffly, giving the boy a kind of cuff, but only gently around the ear." "'Yes, sir.' "'Where's your equipment?' Sherman asked, and tugged at the boy's collar. "'Your musket. A soldier should never be without his musket. What would you do if the rebels attacked?' "'I have no musket, sir. I have no equipment.' "'Did your quartermaster sergeant not issue you with any?' Sherman made a noise of disgust, but the young soldier could not say if it was directed at him or at the quartermaster sergeant.' Before he could reply, the Ohioan had marched off with the brisk order, Follow me. Five minutes later, when this particular quartermaster sergeant was rudely aroused from his bleary-eyed beauty sleep, he burst from his tent, a mad bull cursing all God's creatures, but most specifically the man who had so thoughtlessly disturbed him. Then he recognized his commander and fell instead to apologizing with the same energy he had invested in his cursing. Sherman brushed him aside to demand brusquely, Sergeant Wiley, 
issue this boy with blanket, sack jacket, knapsack, and all accruements. Yes, sir. First thing in the morning, sir. No, Sergeant. Not first thing in the morning. Now. Certainly, sir. Right away, sir. The sergeant looked at the young soldier with eyes that warned swift and savage reprisals when they were alone. To the young soldier, the general said, In the morning, see the ordnance officer in your company. Ask him to issue you with musket and ammunition, sixty rounds of minier cartridges, percussion caps. They go in a box on your belt, which this sergeant will give you. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. The young boy shivered as he spoke. Find yourself somewhere warm to sleep beside a fire, but not too close. I've known men to sleep too close to a fire, fall asleep and burn themselves. Isn't that so, sergeant? Whatever you say, general. The sergeant, nursing a punishing hangover, wished both commander and boy would be consumed by fire, and the flames of hell themselves would not have sufficed. Make the acquaintance of some older men, Sherman advised. They'll teach you what you need to know to survive. Keep your musket by you, and stay around camp at night unless you are on picket duty. Then there's safety in numbers, he added emphatically, wreaths of smoke enveloping his large red head as he gave the young soldier's cheek a gentle slap. Sir, will you wait for me? the boy called hopefully, but the commander was already gone, swallowed up by the darkness. He looked up at the sergeant's cruel red face and could not help uttering a howl of pain as his ear was twisted viciously. Wake me in the middle of the night, will yer? Scabby little son of a bitch, we'll see about that. I'll make your sorry your mother...